Welcome to this Edge Church podcast. We are a people whose mission is to know Christ, be the church, and serve our community. We pray you are blessed and equipped by this message. How many of you know that failure is inherent in us all? Every one of us is prone to failure. In fact, if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it is a story of man's failure from beginning to end. Don't know if you've realised that. Adam failed. Then in the next generation, Cain failed, murdered his brother. Social conditions were perfect, but failure came very early on. And the Lord wanted to start again, so He chose Noah. And things went well for a while until Noah came out of the ark and he had some Shiraz or some Cab Sav and then he lay naked. God chose Abraham and he wanted to start with him. But just the hint from Hagar, Abraham took the maid and created an Ishmael. How many of you know we are riddled with failure? That's why we need God's grace. And failure lurks at the door of our lives. God chooses Moses, loses his temper, breaks the commandments, murders a man as he steps into his calling. As a man of God, he kills someone. And so we see failure throughout the Scriptures. Simon Peter, his name mentioned double-barreled wide because he's both transformed and a failure. And so throughout the New Testament, we see God working with him and showing his grace. Even someone as wonderful as Barnabas, who got alongside Paul, sold a field and was generous. Barnabas, the Bible says in Galatians, was led astray by the hypocrisy of some of the other believers. Failure is something that haunts us all. And uh, we have such strength, but we also have such fragility. Have you noticed? There's, a, there's one side of, that's us, of us that's amazing. And then the other side of us that is fragile. And here's the thing, many people who fail don't recover from failure. And I wanna tell you that's not God's plan. God's plan is that we, when we fail, we bounce back and we recover. The late uh, Wallace Hamilton said this. He said, people are training for success when they should be training for failure. Failure is far more common than success. Poverty is more prevalent than wealth and disappointment more normal than arrival. I'm gonna ask you in the room today, anyone here not failed? I thought not. We've all failed in both our words and our deeds. And so we hear from the Scriptures that failure is, is part of the fabric of life that we have to learn to deal with and we have to recover from it. James chapter 3 and verse 2, we all stumble in many ways, no exceptions. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Paul says that even when you've got good intentions, you fail. He says in Romans 7, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. How do we accept this and move past it? Because if we don't move past it, hear me today, two things happen. We are either defeated by it or defined by it. How many of you have come across people who are, who are defined by their failure? They're known by that. No, we must not be defeated by it or defined by it because the devil wants to use that. I wanna to speak to you today on recovering from our failures. Recovering from our failures, because if they define us and defeat us, 
the enemy gets the glory and he works amongst us in a powerful way to keep us defeated. C.S. Lewis said in the Screwtape Letters and he describes vividly the devil's strategy in our lives. He says he gets Christians to become preoccupied with their failures and from then on the battle is won. How many of you know that to be true? And failure is, is no respect of persons. It comes to those who are wealthy and those who are poor, those who are educated and those who are ignorant. It comes to us in business. It comes to us in our secular lives. It comes to us in our spiritual lives. It comes to those in ministry. You can be in the ministry and fail. Failure is unfortunately something that comes to every person, but we can recover from it and we can move forward. Even when you've had moral failure, you can bounce back. Jensen Franklin put it like this in speaking about the, the hold that failure can have on people and, and how the devil can use it. He says, the celebrity gossip industry rakes in over $3 billion a year because we live in a world that thrives off of sensational stories of failure. The enemy wants to use your mistakes to mock you, but God can use them to make you. Isn't that beautiful? If you let them, the people around you will define you by your failures. Don't be held hostage by your bad choices. Your failure is not final. I wanna give you five things today. Five is the number of man's weakness. Seven, the number of God. Six, the number of man. Five, the number of man's weakness. You see the lame man in John lying under the five porticos. We are gonna look here at some practical ways how we can recover from our failures. John Maxwell put it like this. He said, a person must be big enough to admit her or his mistakes, smart enough to profit from them and strong enough to correct them by God's grace. Can you say amen? So number one, the first thing you need to do is admit your failure. If you fail today, there's a wonderful promise in the book of Proverbs and it says this, firstly, it's a bit negative. It says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Isn't that wonderful? And no matter how badly you failed in the room today, no matter how anyone has failed, if we admit them and are honest about them, even though we didn't intend to do them, we can bounce back and we can get a second chance. God is a good God and there's always forgiveness, restoration, and blessing at the end of our confession and our admission. In James chapter five, it says, admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The word healed there really means to recover or be restored. When you see people in failure, don't highlight it, don't discuss it, don't let it become a gossip, rather help them by praying for them. Because if they can admit it and God can reveal it to them, they can recover. We can all recover. We can all move forward. Because all of us fail at some stage or the other. Can you say amen? And sometimes we're shocked when failure affects the churches. What's going on? It's just human beings at work. That's why we need Jesus. Can you say amen? Number two, the second thing you must do is this, and I'll spend a bit of time here, is don't label yourself a failure. You see, failure is an event. It's not an identity. It's an event, not a person. And you can label yourself as a failure because it so overtakes your life. It so overtakes your mind and your heart. You feel so discouraged that you let yourself do that. And it might be financial, might be emotional, might be marital, 
might be relational, might be uh, in the area of morality, whatever, however seriously it is, we, we can be really down on ourselves. And you know what we forget to do? We forget to look at all the good in our lives and then recognize that we did something, we aren't something. Don't write yourself off this morning. Admit it, but don't label yourself because if you wear that label, it's almost like a branding. Every time someone sees you, they see the branding. No, we need to move past it. And people have got many good qualities, but how many of you know we all have a butt? <laughs> Some of our butts are very big. Now, before you get carnal on me here, the Bible says in two kings, it describes a man. And, and we need to look at ourselves sometimes. And, and remember this, it talks about Naaman, the Syrian. And it says, now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a leader. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but, see he had a but. He had leprosy. Don't make the but the whole thing. Recognize that there's a lot of good things. If you label yourself, you're done for. And we can end up labeling ourselves. You know, we, we, our perspective of failure is extremely important. How many of you know that when, when there's a marathon, we have what's called the Comrades Marathon. When a marathon is run, it's not the person who crosses the line that is only regarded as the winner and all the others are losers. Certainly the person who crosses the line first is the winner. But you know, the Comrades Marathon, 12 hours after it started, people are cheering people across the line. They're dragging themselves with their blisters. Some of them are crawling on their hands and knees and people are clapping and cheering. You see, it's not just the person who wins. It's the person who finishes. It's the person who keeps going. And we've got to be very careful that we don't uh, label ourselves as losers. Also, don't just look at the success of other people and then label yourself a loser. Sometimes we can get angry and frustrated because others are successful and their success makes us feel like failures. You begin to label yourself and then it's very hard to move forward. Ralph Waldo Emerson, the wonderful American thinker and poet said, the greatest glory in living lies not in never failing, but in rising every time we fail. Everyone experiences failure or mistakes at some time in their lives. If you look at David's life, as a whole, he wasn't a failure, even though he did some terrible things. Took another man's wife, sent him into the battle and had him killed. But God looked at David as a success. He didn't label him a failure. David did certain things, but he wasn't a failure. Can you say amen this morning? Even the apostle Peter, he failed denied the Lord three times. He was the leader. Surely the leader should be better than the rest. Surely leaders shouldn't fail. But Peter denied Jesus. But we don't know Peter as a failure. We see him as a success. We see him as a blessing, as an apostle. And so it depends how you view it. If you wear the label of failure, you'll never recover from your failures. Zig Ziglar put it like this. He said, you cannot climb the ladder of success dressed in the costume of failure. Are you with me this morning? Number three, examine why you failed. Admit it, don't label yourself, but examine why you failed. Simon Carruthers, the author, said this. He said, life is a series of outcomes. Sometimes the outcome is what you want, great. Figure out what you did right. Sometimes the outcome is what you don't want. Figure out what you did wrong, so you don't do it again. You see, it's one thing to fail, but it's another thing to not know why. 
And most of us, when we fail, this is what we do. We blame others. And the minute you blame someone else, you become a victim and you become powerless. Hear me today, if there's one thing the devil wants to do in your life is he wants to turn you into a victim. And do you know when you're a victim, it's someone else's fault. And when it's someone else's fault, you are powerless. The Lord wants us to go, yep, maybe it was that. Maybe there was a contributing factor. But how am I going to respond today? How am I going to learn from this and move forward? And when we admit it and we begin to retrace our steps and we examine why we failed, uh, we will not blame the devil and we will not blame others. You know the story in the Garden of Eden, you know, where the Lord went to Eve and, or went to Adam and said, what, what happened? He said, it was the woman you gave me. <laughs> and then the Lord went to the woman and the woman said, it's the devil made me do it. And you all know the devil had no leg to stand on. It's one thing to blame others. It's another thing to recognise this is my part in it. And I think we need to retrace our steps. So there's a story in, in, in the book of Second Kings here that I want to just go to for a moment. And then I want to give you some reasons why we failed. Maybe you can identify something here under this point of, of examining why we failed. 2 Kings 6, it's, it's actually a ministry failure, interestingly enough. And uh, it's the school of the prophets. And it says they, the school of the prophets, went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. They were actually expanding and they had a big vision and they wanted to enlarge. And it says, as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Something went wrong. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, I want you to know this, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said, then the man, watch this, reached out his hand and took it. Turn to your neighbor and say, reached out his hand. Say it again. We're going to come to that in a moment or a couple of moments. But the very important thing is you've got to go back to where you lost it, figure out what happened. Then you can pick it up again. And this happened in a ministry setting, no sexual sin or moral sin or anything. Something went wrong. He lost his edge, if you like. And he had to retrace his steps and then recover. And that's what we need to do when we fail. How did it happen? How can we fix it? Then we can move forward. And they had good intentions, but something went wrong. Can I say this? Sometimes we fail even when we have very good motives and good intentions. Now I'll give you reasons here, 10 reasons quickly why we fail. And uh, you can maybe identify with these places, if you like, where we fail. Number one is we're not gifted enough. Sometimes we fail because we're just not suited to what we are doing. We, we, we love what we're doing. We, we, we want to do it. We've got passion, but we're in the wrong place. And so we keep failing. I've seen this with people who are starting businesses. You, you can be a good plumber, but maybe you can't run a plumbing business. The two are different. And so sometimes you need to step out of it because you keep failing. There's, there's one of my favorite sayings is this. If you keep hitting your head against the wall, look for the door. You might not be gifted enough for what you're doing. Number two is we're not educated enough. We don't have enough knowledge or, or wisdom and as a result, we fail. You don't have enough knowledge about the dangers of alcohol or drugs or financial knowledge. Uh, you've not been uh, educated in, in those areas. You may be gifted, but you haven't had the right input and uh, your marriage can fail if you don't get the right education. And that's why premarital and, and guidance from pastors in the church is so important. You can't just go on feeling. We need to be educated and helped 
and life is constantly changing and we've got to keep pace. Otherwise we can fail uh, even in our businesses. Hugh Prath is an American author and he said this, just when I think I've learned the way to live, life changes. How many of you have noticed that? And so we might not be educated enough. Number three is we're not humble enough. Often we have pride, we don't recognise it, we're stubborn, we're rebellious, we do our own thing, we've heard from God and uh, no one can tell us. And uh, it can be a pride where we can, where, where we can have a blind spot. You know, they say a blind spot is, 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 is you're actually looking at something. If you see a picture of it, it's like a black dot in the middle. It's exactly where you're looking, but you can't see. And pride does that to our hearts. And we, we, we read in, in the Bible of people who, who needed others to come help them in their failure. Think of David when he took Bathsheba and he killed Uriah. Do you remember what happened? Nathan came to him. And because he was king and because David didn't realise what he had done, Nathan didn't say, listen, I'm going to talk to you. He told him a little story. There was a man who had lots of sheep and there was a poor man who had only one sheep and then the rich man took the poor man's sheep and said, he must die. You're the man. How many of you know that in life we all need Nathans, but we don't always listen to them? Maybe you've got a Nathan in your life today say, Thank you, Nathan. Speak into my life. And so sometimes we're not humble enough and uh, we have blind spots and we need a Nathan. Number four, we're not prepared enough. Sometimes you fail because you're not prepared. You haven't been trained. You didn't know what was coming. Sometimes you can be a Christian for a couple of months. You get baptised in water and suddenly after your baptism, all hell breaks loose and you're not prepared for it. You need to read the Scriptures. You need to read about the armour of God. You need to read about the fact that Jesus, as soon as He was baptised, was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So you've got to be prepared. Maybe interest rates suddenly rose in your country and now you're short of money. You weren't prepared. That's why you failed. It's not the devil's fault. It's not the government's fault. Next time you'll be better prepared. Am I making sense today? Number five, the fifth thing is we're not experienced enough. Go back and ask yourself, is this perhaps where I failed? It's like when you're new at driving, you can have an accident. You don't want to have an accident. Accidents are expensive. But because you lack experience, you lack experience in the Christian life, you lack experience in marriage, you can fail, but you can bounce back. And you can gain experience. We sometimes lack experience in ministry. Uh, over the years, I've made many mistakes because I lacked experience. Then I got help from people. And uh, it, it, it's, it's easy to recover from private failure than just from public failure. When everyone knows about it, it's very hard. But God wants us to move on and to move forward and we can gain some experience. I don't know if you know the story of the uh, young boy of 15 who was at the Laney High School in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and he was on the basketball team, but he was just, he was, he was always left off because he just couldn't crack it, couldn't hit the hoop, couldn't, couldn't jump high enough, just was useless. And when he was finally asked to step off the team altogether, no one was surprised. But instead of sulking, instead of feeling rejected, instead of going and, and blaming everybody or attacking the school, he went to the court and on his own, just practiced and practiced and practiced and jumped and, and gained some experience and learned something about the sport. And from that emerged Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players the world has ever known. See, sometimes it's because we didn't have enough experience. It's not because we must stop playing the game. Are you with me? And God wants us to keep going. Number six, we're not strong enough. 
retrace your steps and say, maybe I wasn't strong enough. Emotionally, we can fail because we're not strong enough yet, but we can grow in our emotional lives. Maybe people controlled us. Maybe we gave into alcohol or drugs. Maybe we yielded to peer pressure, sexual pressure, whatever it is. James Barry said this. He is the Scottish author uh, of Peter Pan. I'm sure you all know him. He says, we are all failures. At least the best of us are. And so sometimes we are weak. Number seven, are you still with me? Not wise enough. Maybe it's because we were naive. Maybe we didn't have enough wisdom. And uh, here's the thing. It's one of my favorite sayings. We don't know what we don't know. And with time comes wisdom. With input comes wisdom. With the right associations comes wisdom. And we can learn. And sometimes we think people are just lucky, you know. So-and-so is just lucky. They're just rich. How many of you have heard of Warren Buffett? Brilliant investor. Seems like he can't put a foot wrong. But very few people know that he was mentored by a man by the name of Benjamin Graham. And he made many mistakes in his life, lost lots of money. And Benjamin Graham wrote a book called The Intelligent Investor. And Warren Buffett came across that book and he said, it's the best book I've ever read on investing. So when you see Warren Buffett, you think like he's lucky to be successful. No, he's not. He's gained some wisdom and he's no longer naive about investing because someone else failed and he learned from their failures. Is this helping anyone this morning? It's very quiet in this early morning service. Talk to me, give me some feedback. Number eight, the eighth reason why we fail is we're not responsible enough. We don't take responsibility for our failure. You have to ask for my part in it. And if there's marriage failure, you've got to get some counsel. You've got to ask for your partner. Take responsibility. If there's business failure, maybe because you didn't pay attention to detail. If you're in debt today and they're going to repossess your house, don't blame the devil for eating up your seed or stealing your finances. Maybe you should have checked on the details of your accounts. Maybe it was because you didn't take responsibility when you faced the challenges. Number nine, we've not learned enough from our failures. Sometimes we repeat failure because we don't learn. We're not open and failure is only failure if you don't learn from it. We must learn so that we can go from strength to strength, not fall into the same weakness. Paul in writing to Timothy talks about this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. He says, there's certain people who are always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. You can keep repeating your mistakes because you're not open to counsel. You never learn from it. Sometimes we have to have a hard look at ourselves and say, gee, I did that. Uh, I've got to admit it. I've got to take responsibility and I need to learn not to do it again. Henry Ford, the uh, industrialist said, the only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. And sometimes we make mistakes and in it, God is trying to speak to us. But because we're so hurt, we're so upset, we're so annoyed, we can't receive. There's a wonderful man of God, a Bible scholar from England by the name of G. V. Wigram. He says, when people fail, we are inclined to find fault with them. But if you look more closely, you will find that God had some particular truth for them to learn, which the trouble they are in is to teach them. Sometimes we go through things because God's holding up a mirror and He's saying, have a look. It's not over. Have a look, be open, listen to Nathan. This is where you lost your edge. You can come back because God's a God of restoration. 
renewal and new beginnings. His mercy is on you every morning and we can start again no matter how bad. Number 10, here's where we often fail as Christians. We're not surrendered enough. Our will is not yielded to the will of God. Our desires and our, our drives are not submitted and so we give in, we yield to the flesh. In order to overcome failure, you have to keep surrendering. Put your bodies on the altar as a living sacrifice and when you yield to God, then you will find success. I don't know about you, but I've discovered in life there are no shortcuts to success. There are no easy routes. You have to give your all if you want success in the kingdom. And uh, there's this famous violinist, you may have heard of him, you may have not, uh, wonderful man. And uh, at 75, he was incredibly famous and he was doing a wonderful concert. And uh, his name was Fritz Kreisler. And uh, at the end of the concert, he came off the platform and was down in the front and a couple of people came and a young girl came to him and she was about 25 and she said to him, uh, Fritz, I'd, 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 I'd give my life to play like you play. And he paused for a moment and he said, I did. There are no shortcuts. We've got to surrender if we want success. We've got to yield. We've got to listen to God. And when we do, I want, to be, I want to encourage you today to be honest with yourself. Admit your mistakes. Don't label yourself. Retrace your steps. Which of these places resonates with you today? then you can prevent it from happening and you can move forward. Number four. Is this helping anyone? Now, there might be a lot of content here, more points than a porcupine, but I hope it'll help you today. Very practical. Maybe you can do something with it. And maybe God is saying to you today, aha, aha. Number four. Don't give up because you failed. Failure is temporary. Giving up is permanent. And there are many times in ministry where I've wanted to give up. And God says, why do you want to give up? It's because you're tired, you're embarrassed. Keep going. There was a time in my country where I made a statement just off the cuff, speaking about my family, and it was construed as racism. And when you hear it out of context, you can say, yeah, it is racist, but it wasn't. And so it was played on television. The clip of my message was played on all the television stations. And they threatened to march on our church and burn down the building. And people were saying he'll never make it. It's the end of his ministry. He's had a good run. And, and some people who were very touchy came out and attacked me. Do you know private failure is e easier to deal with than public failure? But I had to go on. I got up, I apologized to the church. I said, that's not what I meant. It's not what I intended. But if I hurt people, then I'm absolutely sorry. And I learned a lesson from it. And now sometimes I've got to be very careful how I phrase things. In fact, I sometimes will say to the church, Just let, me, let me say that again. <laughs> But we have to learn, you can't give up. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. And the enemy wants us to give up. And it's, uh, it's part of life. If you're attempting something, the chances are you'll fail. But don't give up. Dennis Waitley, the uh, author, said this. He said, failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. Failure is delay, not defeat. It's a temporary detour, not a dead end. Can I give you quickly this morning some reasons why we shouldn't give up? You won't want to scribble them down. They won't come up on the screen. Here's one. You won't feel good about yourself if you give up. You might find relief when you give up, but you will always regress when you give up. I can't do this. So we give up and then we feel, no, you always regress. You won't feel good about yourself when you give up. You feel better when you break through and push through things. If you're a new Christian and you, you feel you've been failing, don't give up. 
You might find a short-term relief, but the devil will drag you backwards. Number two, here's the reason why you mustn't give up. It becomes a habit. If you give up, the next time it's easier. If you give up on a marriage, the next time it's easier. See, people get married one, two, three, four, five times. You say, well, gee, are they practicing? No, they give up because it's easy to give up. I've done this before. I know how it works. And if you've been married multiple times, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying, don't make it a habit of giving up. Press through your failure. Yeah, number three, the third reason why we mustn't give up is we're allowing the devil to get the glory. You remember the book of Job, the devil goes before God and says, ah, so they at edge and, and I hear that they were planning to do this and they were wanting to conquer the world and, and et cetera, et cetera, and they were feeding the poor and now he doesn't even come to church anymore. We need to stand up and come bedraggled. We need to cross that finish line, even if it's 12 hours after the race started, we'll be carrying on. Number four, we've come too far to turn back. God's, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. You've come too far to turn back. You say, I've only been a Christian three months. You've come too far to turn back. You've made Jesus Lord. You've allowed him to begin to work in your life. Don't throw it all away. Number five, here's a problem. You could cause others to lose respect for you if you give up. People are watching us to see how we handle failure. We can't just talk success. We've got to handle failure. Your kids are watching you. And this is what parents tell me. Parents say, yes, we, we're giving up on our marriage because we've been fighting in front of the kids day and night. Sounds logical, eh? No, no, what kids need to see is you arguing in the kitchen and arguing in the kitchen and getting really heated in the kitchen and then they need to see you in the family room later on or the next day hugging and snuggling and then they learn how to resolve conflict and go on. Whereas if you fight and fight and fight and then give up, that's what they see is how life works. When you fight and fight and fight and it gets to, then you run away. People are watching. People are watching us in ministry. How do we handle failure? Do we give up? No, we keep going. Number six, your future's still unfolding. It's not over yet. Sometimes we, we see things unfolding and, and then we just, we can't wait. No, God's gonna still do work in Many people who've been successful have failed in the early part of their lives. Moses was a late bloomer. At 80, he only became successful. You gotta keep going. Your life is unfolding. God's, God's still busy with you. You know, I was reading about Steven Spielberg. He applied to the uh, Los Angeles School of Theater and Arts and so on and, and, and movies and he was rejected three times. They wouldn't admit him. So he finally went to another school, a lesser school and studied there and didn't like it and he dropped out. But Steven Spielberg has gone on to be very successful later in life. He studied again much later in his life, 10, 15 years later, but he's made movies like E.T., Jaws, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List and they've grossed $10 billion. That's like the economy of South Africa. How many of you know that's, that's pretty amazing? And if he had given up, See, his life was still unfolding. And last, second last year, we can handle more than we think. You are not at your limit today. Can I tell you that? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When you fail, do not give up. Keep going, keep going. And uh, we could lose our place and our reward if we give up. God's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. So we need to keep pressing on. I don't need to go quickly here because of the time. But number five today, are you being helped by this? Put your failures behind you and move forward. Put your failures behind you and move forward. 
Don't be defeated or defined by your failure. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll explain you what I mean. I'll do it as briefly as I can. Proverbs 24 and verse 16. Notice this. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Do you notice that good people can fall? Good people can fail. People in ministry can fail. It's not unusual, but what we have to do is rise again. Amen? And we can go on. We've got to put it behind us and we've got to move forward. And people say to me, how can the church have people who do this and do that and leaders who do this? And, and is it, you know, it's supposed to be the church. Well, the church is not perfect, but it's still God's plan A. And the church is what God is using to touch the world. And He knows we have faults and flaws, leaders and all, but He still is using us. It's Jesus' plan A to build people's lives through the church, even though it isn't perfect. And we need to know how to put our failures behind us and we can learn from the examples in the Bible. Think of Peter, who was the leader of the 12, who failed, who three times, not once, three times denied the Lord. He wasn't just a disciple, he was the leader. You surely would expect more from him. But three times he fails, but he puts his failure behind him and he moves forward. And if you contrast the responses of two people in the Bible, how they dealt with favor, Judas versus Peter, you see a completely different picture. Let me give it to you quickly here. We must respond correctly because Judas had a breakdown. Peter had a breakthrough. Jesus forgave him and Peter had a breakthrough. Judas gave up, Peter looked up. When Jesus came to Peter on the beach and he made a meal at, uh, on, on the fire of fish and bread and, and he gave it to Peter, Peter didn't look down, sorry Lord. Peter looked up and looked at Jesus, Jesus looked at him, but Judas went away, walked away, he gave up, Peter looked up. Judas rejected the mercy of God, Peter received the mercy of God. Judas lived in condemnation, Peter lived in celebration of forgiveness. And Judas took his life in despair, but Peter used his life for the purposes of God. And Judas avoided public embarrassment, but Peter faced public embarrassment. Think about this for a moment. It wasn't a year later that Peter bounced back. It was just 50 days on the day of Pentecost that Peter stood up and preached and 3,000 got saved and baptised. And he did it in front of everybody. That shows you how we can recover from failure. If we respond correctly, if we admit it and we put it behind us and we move forward, God ends up using him. And as John Maxwell famously said, he said, God uses people who fail because there aren't any other kind around. Isn't that the truth? See, people are watching to see how we respond. We've got to put it behind us and we've got to move forward. And the book of Micah, as the worship team come up this morning, the book of Micah, Micah here in chapter seven speaks about how he's responding to failure. And I believe this needs to be our confession this morning as we begin to move to a close. And, I, and I'm not done yet. I wanna, I wanna land correctly here. He says, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. You know what he's basically saying? If we were to paraphrase it, I'm coming back, baby. If you fail today, you need to, no matter how bad you feel, you might be sitting in darkness. You need to say, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Lord, that you've always provided. 
You provided an Old Testament sacrificial system of blood because you knew we would fail. And you covered Adam and Eve in skins and you shed blood. Lord, you've always from the beginning understood failure. You then provided in the book of Numbers cities of refuge for those who would fail and would end up killing someone unintentionally. You provided those cities for us, Lord. Then the Lord provides the temple through Solomon, a place where we can go pray when we failed, when we've turned from God, we've messed up. But then He provides Jesus Christ the Saviour whose blood washes away all our sins. Romans chapter five, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew we were failures. He knew we would fail. We've got to put our failure behind us. We've got to respond correctly and we've got to come and reach out and touch Jesus. You'll remember when Elijah made the ax head float, Elisha, sorry, made the ax head float. He said to the man, reach out your hand and take it. See, we can receive restoration and forgiveness and the miracle can happen, but we've got to take it. It's got to be our part. Are you with me? And uh, I was reading a story here, which I think correlates, pulls it all together. There was a shooting in America and there are many, many shootings in in the United States in 2023, uh, sorry, in 2020, February of 2020 in Kalamazoo County. And a shooter went out and shot six people. Six people died, two people were wounded and uh, it was a terrible thing. He just randomly shot people all over the place and one of them was a little girl. She was just 14 years old, Abigail Kopf. Uh, She was driving with her aunt in the car and uh, the bullet went through the car and it shattered her skull. And uh, tragedy, you can imagine people lying dead on the pavement in the street, the car door open, the back of the car open, the aunt dead in the front, the child in the back, her head all shattered and dead. They called the parents. The parents had uh, decided when she was uh, born that they would be organ, she would be an organ donor. Any of her family died, they'd be organ donors. So the father was writing on the top of the car, on the roof of the car, filling in the papers. And the mother was holding the child's hand and just saying her goodbyes, you know, and, and uh, the, the, the crying and and the next moment she felt her daughter squeeze her hand. Well, you can imagine the pandemonium. They ran and got the paramedics. They dragged out of the car, put on a stretcher. They checked her pulse. It was absolutely faint. They managed to get her to a hospital and they put her on a ventilator. Listen to me this morning, a ventilator. And three years later, this girl has completely recovered. Her head has been reconstructed. But what caused her recovery were two things. She squeezed her mother's hand. And the ventilator kept her alive. Do you know what we need to do if we want to recover from failure? We've got to take the hand of Jesus because that's what Peter did on the beach. He reached out and he took what Jesus had in his hand for him and it literally touched his hand and he received. And, and, and then it's not enough to just touch Jesus. We need the church because the church is the ventilator. When you come in here, it's... It gives you life. It's not perfect. It has challenges, but it's God's means of your recovery and your restoration. And you need to reach out. You need to stay in church, not leave the church. Well, why is there so much failure? We are failures, but thank God for Jesus and thank God for the church. And if we come and we take hold of His hand, we can recover from failure and we can be saved from our sin and the ventilator of the church through the Word and the Holy Spirit puts life back into us and we can be made whole again. I wanna pray with you this morning across the campuses. If you're in, uh, 
in, in one of those campuses this morning, won't you bow your head with me and we're going to take a moment to pray and in the room, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray with you this morning. I want you to respond to God. Maybe you've failed. Maybe it's been a small failure. Maybe it's been something huge. You're sitting with condemnation. I give you an opportunity this morning to reach out and touch the hand of Jesus. Reach out and regain your edge as it were. Reach out and find that forgiveness and that mercy. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And we can put our failures behind us if we admit them. The Bible says if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. And you can have a new beginning. His mercies are new every morning. So with our heads bowed, our eyes closed today, maybe you say, you've spoken to my heart today. I failed. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to call you to the front. Just simply going to ask you to respond to God today. And then we're going to pray. In fact, we're all going to pray out loud together. And we're going to commit ourselves as a church to the Lord this morning. So firstly, let me, let me say this. If you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, He's come to pay for all your sins. If you believe in Him and trust Him, your sins will be forgiven. But you've got to admit them. Then you've got to come to Him. Don't let them define you because He gives you a new beginning. But if you say, Lord, I turn from my sin. I want to make you my Lord and Saviour. He'll receive you and He'll transform you. If you're here today as a Christian, you say, that's me. I, I failed, but I want a new start. I'd love to pray with you. So with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, just in this private moment with God across all the campuses, just raise your hand. Say, that's me. Would you pray for me this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many, many hands. You, you want to receive Jesus as Lord? Raise your hand as well. Just lift your hand. Say, yes, that's me. I, I want Christ as my Saviour today. I've been plagued by failure and sin. I've tried to overcome my own sin, but I can't. I want Jesus to come into my life. I'd love to pray with you on the other campuses in Melbourne, in uh, Finden. You, you just respond this morning and let's believe God for, for His grace. And as your hand is up to say, Lord, here I am. Meet me today. Christ will touch you right where you are. You can put your hands down. What we're going to do collectively across the campuses this morning, church, can we respond to this? Can we pray out loud for the sake of those who raised their hands? Can we all pray like this? Thank you, Father, for your wonderful Son, Jesus, who forgives us of all our sins and redeems us from our failure. We come to you today. Lord Jesus, forgive us, receive us. We confess our failure. We confess our need for You. Restore us, give us wisdom, teach us, cause us to grow and to move forward and to not be defined by our failure. We thank You, Lord, for a new beginning. In Jesus' Name, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Find more resources and discover what's next for you at edgechurch.com.